0: chapter thirty six of god's fool by martin martins this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by anna simon two rights and no wrong do you know what day it is to-day hendrik asked cornelia she had come into his room without preliminary warning and had stood watching him for a moment at his writing as if uncertain whether to speak or not yes he answered glancing up in surprise the poised pen between his fingers. Thursday, of course. The day of your charade. I shan't forget. If I get back in time from a meeting I must attend tonight, I'll look in. I suppose it'll be very good, eh? He spoke indifferently, and she answered him indifferently. Or, at least, with seeming indifference. Yes, the charade is tonight, but I wasn't thinking of that. I know that you don't care about it. I was thinking of the date, not of the day.' Hendrik's eyes wandered carelessly to the calendar over his writing-table. "'The ninth?' he said. "'Somebody's birthday, I suppose. I am sure I congratulate them. Is it Ninny or Aurelia? It's a good thing you reminded me. Tell me who it is, and I'll wish them many happy returns of the day. I suppose everybody is coming this evening.' He turned back to the papers before him, plainly indicating that he did not wish to be further disturbed, "'It is nobody's birthday,' persisted Cornelia. "'It is the ninth of April, the birthday of our contract, if you like to call it so. It is exactly three years ago today, since that Sunday evening, when we counted up our debtor and creditor after—after after Thomas's visit to me, and made our compromise accordingly. Do you remember? The compromise to hold good for three years.' "'Good heavens, Cornelia!' burst out Hendrik starting up excitedly. Are you coming to torment me for more money at this moment of all others? Compromise? Compromise? It seems to me you've had it all your own way from the beginning. Look at Margaret and Hubert, if you want to appreciate our expenditure. You've had nearly a year now to watch them in and to compare between florins and dollars. I do not wish to compare, she interrupted him, dominating his voice with her own. Such comparisons are useless, but neither have I asked you for money. Hendrik. I would thank you to wait till I do. You're always asking for money, he said moodily. Why else remind me of what you call our compromise? That is absolutely inaccurate, replied Cornelia coolly, pushing forward a large leather armchair and slowly filling it with her stately presence. Leave those papers for a moment if you can so far oblige me. Hendrik, I want to talk with you about this. It is seldom, indeed, that we talk about any subject but trifles, and I have delayed long enough. Hendrik shrugged his shoulders. What's the good of talking? he said. It is unjust of you, Hendrik, to accuse me of always asking for money. Worse than that, it is simply untrue. Since that final contest about the carriage, which you wanted, most unfairly, to reduce to a private cab at the liveryman's, I have kept literally to my part of the contract i have never asked for anything but the extra ground for my parties which you yourself had conceded and at this present moment i do not owe any one a halfpenny beyond the customary outstanding bills but you are always giving parties interposed hendrik could i help it if i would one invitation necessitates another society life is like a rolling snowball you have no cause to complain of my entertainments hendrik often enough you have proposed them proposed them cried hendrik i hate the stupid stifling crushes i keep away from them as often as i can nevertheless you have proposed them indirectly by saying that we must call upon so-and-so or accept what's-his-name's invitation to dinner you business men wrapped up in your computations of prices have no eye for the intricate variations of the social scale but as i say hendrik you have no right to be disagreeable i fancy you would hardly have found yourself a town councillor to-day had it not been for these very same entertainments maybe but you didn't do it for that muttered hendrik ungraciously once more you are unjust you have always been unjust to me unintentionally i am willing to believe but still unjust you persist in looking upon our interests as antagonistic that is absurd hendrik they are identical i do not deny for instance that your councillorship is an advantage to us both but not your bonnet he said my bonnet i assure you it is very cheap for the rue de la paix can only be a means to an end but i have my town-councillorship too and i am proud of it shall i tell you what it was it was when the burgomastress came to me last autumn and told me that the ladies committee for the grand bazaar in aid of the society for providing the poor with gilt framed chromographs had offered her the dignity of president as in duty bound but that she had proposed to pass the offer on to me and the other ladies had approved the bazaar could only gain by my being at its head mevrouw cecile overtake had said the burgomastress told me you remember imagine what it must have cost the woman to come and make me that confession of course she had expected the others to agree with her in her suggestion that it was best that she should be number two. Oh, of course that was why she made it a fierce light of exultation flashed into cornelia's eyes many a better-born woman than i would give ten years of her sweet short life for such a moment she said softly it's the only field of ambition open to us and our ambition is twice that of money-grabbing man koopstad little koopstad what said caesar better be first in koopstad than second in paris he said caesar was right i am sure margaret does not care for these things said hendrik margaret has her four children to care for what have i i have no children she was silent he too was silent Everything in the room was silent for a minute, except the ticking clock. "'Avow, Hendrik,' she began with a laugh, "'that the result is not bad. I have done what I undertook to do, and the price has not been exorbitant. Remember, four years have not yet elapsed since you married Cornelia Alers. "'Well, if you have been successful and feel happy, there is no more to be said,' replied Hendrik a little bitterly. He looked down at his bureau, and shuffled his hand among the papers in front of him. He was anxious to get on with his work. "'I have succeeded,' said Cornelia, "'and I have not succeeded. I have honestly done all I could to stick to the contract. But things have not come round as I expected them to. It was expressly stipulated that we should be comfortable, Hendrik, and yet we have not been comfortable. We need not talk about happiness. That is a sentimental word I am triumphant to a certain extent. So are you. But we have not been comfortable. And I cannot help thinking that you are to blame. Oh, of course, said Hendrik savagely, spluttering flourishes over his blotting pad. I have not given money enough. Yes, you have, for you have given all that was bargained for, all that I had a right to claim. Strictly speaking, therefore, you have performed your part as well as I mine. But practically... "'There's a great difference, Henrik. "'Our whole life is oppressed by your constant conviction "'that the bargain was an unfair one, "'that you promised too little and I too much.' "'The other way, you mean,' he interrupted. "'I mean what I say,' she objected sharply. "'You too little and I too much. "'You've seen how I've worked to keep within the limits you set me. "'I've scraped and saved and done marvels with little.' "'With little?' he again interrupted with comparatively little i wish you would not catch me up like that it is as difficult to make a bank-note go farther than its limited number of florins as it is to make a florin exceed its twenty pence you have no right to contest my transparent good management hendrik a blind man could see it a fool like elias there are plenty of housewives in our own set in koopstad who have control over twice my resources and yet don't make half my show they don't want to said hendrik again thinking of his brother's wife ah but they do there never was a woman yet i am not speaking of the demented who did not wish to buy a florence worth for t- three quarters even the most wasteful flatter themselves they waste cheap and the most saintly beat down the price of the missionary flannel i am convinced that your impeccable margaret believes she gets her oranges cheaper than i do mine i wish you would leave me to my occupations cornelia they are very pressing but she is mistaken surely you must have plenty of your own also on such a day as this indeed i have on such a day as this as you remind me on the ninth of april eighteen and something it is as i said hendrik i struggle hard to do my best and you see it day after day and you know that the struggle is unnecessary that it would cease if you gave me my due. You betray yourself by occasionally advancing me money before I have asked for it. That is the silent confession of your shame.' "'Out of pure friendliness I may sometimes have done so,' cried Hendrik, "'or perhaps still oftener to disarm your tacit attitude of protest.' He began to realize how true is that axiom he had always cherished that you can get a woman to do anything if only you are kind to her it is your conscience hendrik persisted cornelia looking full at her husband she is speaking in perfect good faith do you know i have often thought of late that our married life would have been happier if you had been less conscientious than you are now thomas i fancy would not have been tormented by your scruples but those very scruples are decidedly uncomfortable you live in a constant dread of my asking you for more money though i do not do it why because your conscience tells you I should have a right so to ask. Why? echoed Hendrik. Because constantly, in a thousand little indirect hints and allusions, you give me to understand that I am rendering your life a burden to you. Ah, that is your conscience, Hendrik, said Cornelia impressively, while in reality I am straining every nerve to satisfy all demands upon my purse. Your own demand first, cried Cornelia. He did not answer. He felt it would be hopeless to say no. As for his demand, he still smoked his cheap cigars and kept a few better ones for his wife's frequent guests. But Cornelia was not thinking of his personal requirements as he knew. She was thinking of Volderdu Sonnen. And so we are uncomfortable, mevrouw Lossell went on. We are uncomfortable because we both have consciences. Having consciences, we realize that i do my duty and that you only partially do yours in so far as we are uncomfortable we have failed for our whole object as you will remember was to be as unromantically comfortable as possible what for mercy's sake are you driving at gasped hendrik in despair you must understand hank i want you to treat me fairly without any further promptings on my part the period for which I bound myself is over, but I do not want to appeal directly to that argument. Treat me fairly. Only treat me fairly. There is surely no reason for this continued standing aloof, half in enmity, half in distrust. We've had enough of it. Set your own conscience at rest, and give me my due. You want more money, said Hendrik doggedly. How much is your due? My due? cried cornelia with blazing eyes is to be treated honorably as your wife and not year after year as your housekeeper or your landlady it is a pity we cannot understand each other without such very plain speaking for the people who require that in their intercourse with each other have but a poor chance of sympathizing at all i am not your servant hendrik to be content with my monthly pittance and i refuse to have my wages raised i have not come to ask for more money as you put it i believe i represent nothing else to you than an employee incessantly clamouring for a rise of ninepence a week and you consider you can ignore my clamouring because you remember i cannot go on strike she rose up out of her lazy attitude in genuine indignation and stood towering over the writing-table and the round chair behind it and little hendrik lossell seated low we go halves as it is he barked back at her somewhat frightened I earn the money and you spend it does that not suffice how unjust you are hendrik as if i did not do some of the earning and you most of the spending or laying aside if you prefer the term it comes to the same thing for me but do not let us squabble i beg of you do not let us do that once more i ask you only treat me fairly you cannot in your own heart think it fair that you should be making say fifty thousand florins a year and that i should continue struggling to keep up our establishment on twenty you do not think it fair and there lies the origin of all our trouble fifty thousand a year cried Hanky. never mind the exact sum the principle remains the same true thomas tells me that you have been exceedingly fortunate of late and that you thomas almost screamed lossell i might have known he was at the bottom of the mischief he's the very best man undoubtedly to twit me my good fortune i suppose he told you that i owed it to him no replied cornelia nor did i inquire i want no particulars from him but from you i should like to receive them come hendrik trust me if i bear all the worry i should at least be told how or why i can understand that you speculated and that for this you require considerable sums ready to hand. It's the wisest thing you can do, I suppose, if you are to remain bent upon buying up the business. But let me know about it. Enable me to take an interest in your plans. Only like that, as you can comprehend, will you make my position endurable. Let me understand what I am waiting and working for. Perhaps then I shall be more willing to bear this daily drudgery. Nay, I am confident I shall be more willing... We should work together as far as possible. We only provoke unnecessary annoyance by keeping our interests apart. Hendrik did not answer. He only drew his papers towards him, and began anew to study their contents. "'You will not take me into your confidence?' persisted Cornelia, with a slight tremble in her voice. "'Of course not,' he retorted peevishly. "'These are no matters for women. Go and dress for your charade.' She mastered herself for one question more. "'At least tell me this,' she said. "'If you succeed in buying out Elia's as you wish to, will your hoarding then definitely come to an end?' That would not be the same reason for economy,' he answered evasively. "'Then, on your own behalf, as well as on mine, make haste. Thomas tells me he is going to submit a new plan to you, which will make you enormously rich in a couple of months.' I do not ask what it is. You would not tell me if you knew. I only advise you to follow his advice. For listen to me, Hendrik. I have spoken to you once more today about this subject. I had made up my mind to speak to you. It is the last time. I am not the kind of woman to break my word, as I have shown you through these last three years. You have repelled all my offers. You refuse me both confidence without contentment and contentment without confidence. So be it the subject need never be mentioned between us again i leave you six months longer to make your fortune and free us both from this dragging chain six months to work out your plans whatever they may be do you understand me i'm sick of the whole thing i shall trouble you no more about it but at the end of six months i spend i'm released from the promise i once gave too easily i spend your income of 50000 florins a year and how will you do that? He queried skeptically. I, I shall refurnish the whole house over again to begin with. What you doubt my capabilities? I could spend five hundred thousand on the furniture alone, and you doubt my seriousness. I have utterly spoiled you, Lossell, by my forbearance. You shall see of what metal I made. She turned from him with a look of scorn and walked towards the door. Margaret manages her house on half what you spend began hendrik in indignant alarm she paused in the doorway and fixed her quiet eyes upon him margaret she said leave me in peace with your margaret she has other compensations and she has not the misfortune to be married to you with those words she went from him they were the unkindest she had ever spoken to him in their uncomfortable wedded life hendrik remained alone with his thoughts they were not pleasant thoughts. He knew his wife enough to believe she would do as she said. Once released from the galling curb which had till now restrained her on the road of her desires, she would rejoice in the recovery of her freedom. And the worst of it was that, however wrong he might think her, her argument always put her in the right. "'It is impossible,' he said, to argue with a woman. She never strikes straight. She only fences. I don't even attempt to oppose Cornelia directly. I can't.' When she said that his conscience reproached him for not treating her fairly, she was right to a certain extent. He could appreciate her claims as well as his own especial reasons for refusing to admit them. "'The position is a miserable one,' he said aloud, kicking out his foot as he sat by the writing-table. "'But it is unavoidable. Escape there is none. Look whatever way you can.' And then he smiled a bitter smile at the thought of Alers talking about his good fortune, it was he with his wretched syndicate, he muttered to himself, that first started my ruin. End of chapter 36